Welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. This is a podcast where we bring successful tech sales professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs to share best practices, insights, and lessons learned with other tech sales professionals. As a sales professional, the more we learn, the more we earn. Once we earn it, how can we put those hard-earned commission dollars back to work to build additional income streams that will create the freedom we are all working to achieve? I'm your host, Chris Freeman. I'm a high-tech sales leader, real estate investor, and lifetime learner. All right, welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Freeman. And before we jump into our next guest, I do want to do a quick shout out and thank you to all of you that have been listening to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. And I really appreciate the positive reviews, the five-star reviews. And I'd just like to shout out to M444. He said, fantastic show. This is a fantastic show uh, for high-tech sales professionals and showing how they can grow in their role and invest in their freedom. Keep it up, Chris. We'll do uh, M444. Thank you for that. So for our next episode, I'm really excited to have Dave Leon based in Austin, Texas. He is currently a cloud platform rep at Oracle, and he'll talk a little bit more about what that means. Um, I actually met Dave through a mutual connection, thanks to the power of social media. And I'm really looking forward to our com- to our conversation today. So Dave, welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. No, thank you. This this was going to be a blast. And as I was telling you, I've got my espresso here. So I am both medicated and motivated, as they Fantastic. say. Fantastic. Yeah, actually... Got my coffee here, and I'm doing something new. I'm uh, actually starting to put a little bit of coconut oil in my coffee periodically. So Very nice. Very nice. Working on that brain health. health conscious, and, yes. Yeah, yes, beautiful. Heart health, brain health, all, all yeah, of that. Healthy oils, yeah. Well, so um, Dave, tell me, uh, tell the audience a little bit more about yourself and your background in tech sales. Yeah, sure. So it's uh, it's a long story, so I'll try to just to, to paraphrase it as I step through some of the things that I've done. I mean, it all started in Connecticut, born and raised, as I like to say, on the mean streets of Connecticut, because no one believes that that state could be rough, but you know, there, there are parts of it. But uh, went to uh, Hofstra University just outside New York City. Uh, my major is you know banking and finance, and you know worked on Wall Street for about seven years in a variety of roles. Uh, portfolio management. I was a broker. Um, I worked with uh, mortgage-backed securities, and then life, you know, moves on. And then my wife and I, we got married and and moved to Austin in um, uh, 1999, if you can believe it. So I've been here <laughs> as quickly as I could have gotten here. Uh, but in Austin, you know, you realize that uh, banking and finance really doesn't move the needle. And even back there, roughly 2000. Things were trending with Dell Computer, trending towards technology. And that's when I made the switch or the pivot to try to get into something that makes Central Texas and Austin tick. And that's where I got involved in working at startups, getting into e-commerce. I got swept up in the whole dot-com thing. And then that whole bubble collapsed and we had to kind of reassess. I worked for a reseller and we actually catered to uh, the academic vertical market. So that was a whole new you know, segment to learn. I came into that company, I don't know, employee eight or nine. And I was there for five years and I was able to get into management and I managed both inside and outside field sales. And, you know, in that three-year time of, of management, five years in total, I think we grew revenue to like 18 million and we started at like six, six and a half. So it was just exponential growth, trial by fire. 
Uh, but after that, I made some, some quick shifts. I worked for a SaaS company for about five years. I got into virtualization and again, found myself being pulled or asked to join management. And that time it was outside field sales. And I had a small team, maybe six or seven people. So it was, it was pretty manageable. And then roughly um, 2018 plus or minus is when I got into my first, I guess, side hustle or maybe passion project. And I got into um, real estate and focusing on single family. Um, and I did that for a few years on the side. You know, obviously I'm still W2. Uh, but then in 2020, the COVID year, like most people in sales, I was extremely frustrated. I was, I think, just really upset at what was going on in the world and I had no power to control it. Uh, and I actually considered, believe it or not, getting out of sales, you know, due to COVID. And I'll just point directly to that, you know, to that moment. And I was considering becoming a life coach and trying to impart and give back and invest and try to get some emotional strength from that. And I just found that, man, it was a lot of training, a lot of schooling, a little bit more cash than I wanted to spend. But then I found the SCORE organization where now I volunteer. Uh, I'm a certified mentor uh, for SCORE and I work with small business owners and entrepreneurs and just help them get their business going from A to B to C, whatever their scenario is. So I found real enjoyment in that volunteer work. And it kind of brought back the fun that I was not having you know, in, in those COVID years. And then just last year, I started getting into real estate. So I expanded that passion project and started to work on multifamily commercial uh, syndications. And now I'm in three of those. And that brings me to where we are today, You know, roughly eight years at Oracle, uh, all told. Quickly approaching 30 years in sales. I can't believe it, but uh, good Lord, here we are. Yeah, yeah, it goes by quickly. That's an interesting background. So startups, resellers, big software, sales, management, you know, a little bit of everything. It's interesting, you know, your, your pursuit of maybe wanting to be a life coach. I think a lot of people, well, it's, I mean, it's a fact that a lot of people during the pandemic considered doing something totally different or pursuing other things. Um, but from a coaching perspective, man, there's no shortages of coaches out there. Um, there's a lot of people doing that. There's a lot. And it's about finding the right coach for you, given your life stage and what you're trying to do. So there's a lot of coaching, but you have to just do your due diligence and find the right one for you. Well, let me, uh, so going back to some of the roles, if you think back to the different roles, what's been your best sales position and why? Uh, good question to go through the the summary. Um, I'm going to say that my current role at Oracle is has been the best for a variety of reasons. I think I'm finally at the point where I'm mature enough. I have accrued enough real life uh, wins and losses, and I can bring a compelling, I'm going to say, story to the client that we're working with. I'm not, you know, a person who's just out of school and doesn't have real life experience. I'm not a person who only knows one, you know, vertical market. I, I have a lot to offer, and I find that clients that that resonates with them that they could, and sometimes they're, you know, a peer of mine, same age plus or minus, and sometimes they're younger. It's just that I've, you know, I have a lot of stories and a lot of wins and losses. And I try to bring that forward when working with the account, especially at Oracle. And you know, when you get to that point, you really have an opportunity and a chance to really, really make an impact. And you could say, hey, I draw a line in the sand. And before we were working, your business was like this. 
And after we've you know worked and maybe transacted a deal or two, your business is now this. And there's a noticeable, measurable difference in that business pre and post engagement with Oracle. So that's where I am today. And it's it's a lot of it's hard, it's a lot of challenge. And I don't win every deal I work on, but I do get down to the essence of just, hey, look, it's Dave working with Chris. It's two people just trying to understand if we can even fix and solve the problem. If not, that's cool. I get it. However, I think we have some options. Yeah. So you touched on a couple of things there that uh, I think are so important and I'm actually really passionate about. So, well, just your last point, you know, fix and solve a problem. So often as tech salespeople, you know, we get, uh, especially early, well, I mean, I'm guilty of it as well. So I don't want to call it anybody, but you get out there for the meeting, you have your sales engineer along and you're excited. You think you've got, you have the best solution in the world and you start rolling right into it. Um, but if there's not a pain, if there's not a problem, if there's not a gap in their business, if there's not, if there's something that's not working in the business, the technology is either hindering or it's just flat out missing, nobody cares. So, so going back to um, your example of you, there's before and then there's after. You know, can you give a maybe a little bit more color on how, how do you walk a customer through that after and, and kind of take what you've done and how that's impacted the business? Right. So so to me, and very good question, that's a hundred percent art and not science. And a lot of my methodologies and approaches, I think I'm different than I'm gonna, I'm not gonna say I'm different than everyone, but I'm different than most people. Yes, I have a structured set play. Yes, I have a methodology that I, I follow to get me from A to B to C to Z. Of course, we all do in sales. However, I don't I don't fix myself to that, that process. I think of it more, I'm a visual learner. So think of it as a tool belt. And I've got a tool belt on, I've got a hammer, screwdriver, pliers, whatever else might be in there. And it's more about pulling out the right tool at the right moment to make an impact and to consistently show value in a very iterative way Okay, there's the hey, hi, how are you part of the conversation. Then there's the assessing, diagnosing of what's working and what's not. Then there's the deep dive under the covers of, okay, what can we really do versus what can do, what do we think we can do? And then we start to get hands on. There's proof of concepts, there's other uh, trials, and then we start getting down the road. Now, that is how I think most meetings and engagements could go, but they don't always go like that. So it's to your point, before and after, it's a real squiggle line getting from before getting to after. And I do have a set play and a methodology, but I think it's more art than science. You know, what you do when you do it versus what you don't do, I think really, really has a big impact on the outcome. Yeah. And then, so going back to the, the business value piece of it, how do, you, um, how do you like to capture that? And who do you like to go capture that with after the project's been done? So I will try to go and look, I'm a big fan of easy. I don't know, if, you know, I might be dating myself, but Staples had a commercial way, way back where they had the easy button and you can just press that easy button. Everything became easy, right? So I do like to keep things easy. And again, I can go bottom up or top down when it comes to selling. I can get into an individual, uh, a DBA. I can get into a DevOps group and start to find and listen to understand what's working or what's not. Or I can go top down. I can read a company's annual report. I can read their 10K. 
I can understand what the CFO has called out as risks. I can see what HR feels are risks in the current environment. And then I just try to bring those nuggets into the conversation. So it's real data, their information. I use their language. I phrase the problem the way they explained it to me. And I use their jargon. I don't use any Oracle jargon or acronyms. It's just, it's their words. And then I try to get to a point, the value side of things is, okay, we have some hypothesis and provoking statements here. If we can do this and allows you to do that, would you see value in that? What kind of value would you see in that? What impact do you feel this would have on the business? So again, it's not me. I haven't even spoken about what I do and how I do it, but I'm just trying to listen more than I speak. And I'm trying to really get to a point, again, where it's just Dave talking to Chris. It's just two people trying to assess out what can we do. So just to restate that, if you could do this, you could then do that. What would that mean to the business or what would what does it mean to the business? Right. And then you help me define that. Is that a monetary? Okay. Now the business can have an extra $2 million going towards operating revenue. Okay. That's nice. Right. Uh, or we can then hire six more people and we can go ahead and spin up this part of the business that's been dormant and waiting for an opportunity. Oh, okay. That's good. But these are things that I don't know going in but I'm just trying to lay down the breadcrumbs a little bit, a little bit, listening more than I speak, even though I'm, I'm speaking here. I listen a heck of a lot more than I speak when I'm on site, you know, working with the client. And I try to make sure that, you know, I understand from their perspective and their words, just what is or are the long-term goal? What, what are they trying to do? And then I try to back into that. All right, what are the short-term little iterative activities that we can take that if we continue to roll forward on these small, short-term wins, we can get them to that long-term goal. And again, it's their words, their story, their goals, metrics, KPIs, priorities, you know, whatever it might be. I'm just trying to guide them in that direction. Right. Yeah. Love it. I mean, listen up, audience. These are um, words of wisdom. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're selling a box, software, a SaaS service we're solving problems. And if you don't know the problems, um, you know, sometimes the customer doesn't know the problems. And, and, you know, Dave, I imagine that at some point, right, you you come up with the narrative that you've heard from that particular customer, and then you're going to go meet other people within the account. And you're going to say, here's my understanding. And then their response might be a little bit different. And so you're starting to refine and kind of stitch together some of that content to even further refine how you impact the business. Yeah, I mean, exactly correct. And I like to work with a methodology that I've got a lot, but in particular, give to get, right? Not, and not just give quid pro quo, I do this, you do that, but give to get without any expectation of getting anything back. You just give, you give, you give. And I'll tell you, that works eight times out of 10. Most times when you lead off with something, the other side of the conversation feels like, hey, we're actually on the same side of the table. What you just shared is a business nugget that, hey, I heard from the DBA or I've heard from the DevOps group, and now I'm moving into finance and I'm bringing those nuggets to finance, almost like I'm presenting them on a platter. Hey, this is what I heard from Jim and from Jane. And I think that impacts you in a particular way. Would you agree or disagree? 
And I try to then kind of parlay. What did Jim say? I go talk to Sue. Fine. Okay. Then I go talk to Paul. Okay. And finally, we're at a point where we're hitting executives, key decision makers, people that have control over the budget. And what I'm sharing, it's not one little bit of Oracle speak. It's all internal business scenarios, situations, challenges. And I'm just bringing it forward and I'm trying to package it up in a way that is comprehensive. Okay. We've got our arms around the situation. These we think are the, the levers, the drivers, the dials that we can turn and move. And this is where I think we can get you. And that's when you start then getting into your, you know, whichever company you work for, you start then pitching the, the final proposal. Such such awesome content right there. Um, you know, the you know, the give to get comment, right? You're taking what you've heard from somebody else, you're sharing that with another team member. And you know, for a smaller company, maybe they're a little bit tighter, but as you get into bigger enterprise accounts, even, you know, kind of good sized medium companies, you'd be surprised how little people communicate within their own company. It's, it's full of assumptions. Yeah. So our job as salespeople is to take something that's complicated. I mean, our customers have so much on their plate right now, and oftentimes they're just in operation mode. You know, our job is to take and consolidate that down into a clear narrative. And by the way, you may go in, you may do your research in your 10K or come in with what you think is you, what you've identified. And some salespeople might be concerned that, hey, I don't know for sure. And so I don't want to state the wrong thing. I'd rather be a little incorrect than not anything at all because customers will see, okay, well, hey, this person has done their homework. And if you're wrong, they'll tell you. And now you have dialogue and you're talking about the business. Yeah, anytime a customer... so. You're 100% correct. And, and I just call that, you know, fail fast. And over here, we have a phrase that we use probably too much. It's get to the no, the N-O or the K-N-O-W, all right? Get to a point where somebody validates or discredits what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you're doing. And that's what you want. You want someone to say, whoa, you've just thrown a lot at me here. Half of it's not correct. I said, oh, that's interesting. Your internal group is actually where the source of my information. Would you mind if we go through those and just validate maybe where I, I misheard? And what you're doing is you're inviting the person, Joe, Jim, Jane, into a conversation, but you're not approaching it in a hierarchical way. You're not saying, I know everything. I am the king. You are you know, a servant. No, I'm on the same page as you, the same level as you. I'm just trying to help you get to where you need to be. And remember... You shared your goals, metrics, and KPIs with me. We're trying to get to that percent growth. We're trying to get to that cost savings. And I think we have something here, but let's just clarify. Hello, sales pros. I hope you are enjoying the High Tech Freedom Podcast. If you are interested in learning more about passively investing in multifamily real estate, you can download our educational ebook at hightechfreedom.com. While there, you can also sign up for our newsletter where we will provide insights on real estate investing, as well as sales tips so that you can continue to crush it in your high-tech sales role. Now, I often hear people say, eh, I'll get to that later, or uh, I'll read that book later. Well, there's no time like the present to improve your knowledge. So I hope you take advantage of at least the newsletter. In the meantime, please reach out if I can help out in any way. Now, let's get back to the show.
right, Dave. So boil it down. If there was one skill that uh, you or, or anybody in the audience would uh, could work on uh, or get better at, and only one, what would that skill be? <laughs> do I have to do just one? Can I do seven? <laughs> okay. Okay. So there's no right or wrong answer. I'm going to say meet the customer where they are, right? If we all can just subordinate just for a little bit, all the stuff that you know, and you think you know, and all your processes and all your history, and just put that on the side for a second and just meet the person where they are, acknowledge where they are, identify that you have some things to offer them, that you can empower them with information, education, you can help them actually achieve their goal metrics and KPI. I think that results in rapport. And again, when it's just two people talking and you can crack a joke and the other person laughs, they're acknowledging, hey, I agree with you. I'm on the same page. And that's when I think you have the chance to get things done. I'm not going to say a guaranteed success, but at least you've reached the point when things can actually begin to happen. And that's in sales. That's the launch pad. That's where you have to get to. So just everyone's journey is different. Everyone has a twisted route through life, no doubt. Just just meet them where they are. And I think it'll be received well. I mean, that's probably good advice for everything in life. You know, when it's a life skill. Yeah, 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 for sure. All right. Well, hey, so, um, you, you know, you've been working for a while now. And so you've had some success. Maybe you've had some challenges, seen some people succeed and some other people maybe not succeed. What do you think separates the top performers from the rest of the pack? Yeah, that's, that's a juicy topic, huh? I'm going to say, what separates uh, people is you have to want to do it. At the end of the day, I don't care if you got a, you know, Wharton School of Business MBA, Harvard MBA. I don't care where you come from, what you've done, what protein you had for breakfast, right? I mean, all that is nice. That's that's cool. You have to want to do it. You have to want to maybe get up early. You have to want to put in that two-hour prep for the presentation. You have to want to do the stuff that's not fun or sexy and update CRM and make sure that, hey, the last time I spoke, this guy mentioned his dog was sick. I'm going to put that in the notes because that might be something I need to help advance rapport. You have to want to do what you're doing. And if you don't, hey, look, no judgment, that's fine. But then go off and do something else where you can find yourself impactful and you're able to make a difference. So I think in sales... Yeah, I know there's discipline, there's process, there's this, there's product knowledge, there's certifications. But you know, in your heart of hearts, if you don't want to do it, you're not going to be successful. Yeah, that's 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 interesting. I um I think back to yeah, I've worked with a lot of people and I've managed a number of reps over the years. And yeah, there's two types of people. There's those people that are looking at their schedule, looking at their week, and looking at all right, how can I Go get that done or get out of this. How can I get out of that? You know, how can I kind of get through this with a minimal amount of effort to maximize my results? And then there's the people that lean in and say, how can I do more? How can I enhance that? You know, they're constantly trying to add to what it is that they're doing. Um, you know, and sometimes to the point of maybe trying to do too much. But you know, I guess it comes down to mindset, right? It's are you leaning in or are you trying to lean back? Yeah, you're 100 right. And mindset is something that only you can control and only you can allow your mindset to be pushed off course and only you can bring it back on course. So it's just this innate 
thing, this desire, this consciousness, however you want to phrase it, uh, that if you don't have it, uh, you're going to be swimming upstream. It's going to be a challenge. And likely, you know, you may be successful, but you're not going to be as successful as you're capable of. And that's the hard part because you can't teach that. I think it's just either you have it or you don't. And it is, you know, to some degree, a, a black or white scenario. Right. Yeah. And you can get, I mean, if you don't have it, you can get it. Um, sometimes you can clarify, work on it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes it's clarifying, Hey, what are, what are you driving towards? You know, if you don't have any vision or any direction, yeah, you might not be willing to put in the hard incremental work today for something that it, it that, you know, maybe five years down the road or 10 years or retirement or whatever it might be. And most things are not immediate. So there, there's that to consider as well. The old marshmallow test, right? This will kind of shifting on uh Shifting topics a little bit. So, um, you know, the theme behind the podcast is, you know, hey, you first need to learn from the best in order to earn like the best. And then once you earn it, how do you take those harder commission dollars and redeploy it in a way that builds up additional income streams, uh, sets you up for that freedom that we're all looking for? Um, so I'm curious, you know, once you earn it, how do you reinvest those harder commission dollars? Yeah, so that that's the fun part. That's where you get to then, you know, allocate the uh, you know degrees of fun. What can I do once I have these commission dollars? And I am a fundamental person first, and then fun second. You know, it's not to say that I never have fun. It's just that when I got a large commission check, uh, I actually paid off my mortgage, and I thought as a salesperson that was extremely prudent. And again, I'm not a financial advisor. This is what I did. I don't recommend anyone else do it or I'll make my disclaimer. But I paid off my mortgage because I know that my income is going to be variable. I know there's years I'm crushing it. And I know there's years that, hey, look, despite my best efforts, COVID, I'm down 65% of my income year over year, which is a true metric of where I was in, in 2020 versus you know, prior years and et cetera. So peace of mind for me is knowing that my family can continue living their life as is, you know, kind of family life as usual. And, you know, let's say I don't make any money, zero dollars in a given year, whatever that probability is, I know I still have my house. So that for me was important. So whenever I get a large commission check, I first think fundamental, what can I do to help fortify myself that will allow me to go forward and continue in sales and certainly be successful. And then, then to me, it's fun. It's like, hey, if I'm going to work all these hours and years and I've got my white beard now, uh, I'm going to want to invest in, in the family. And does that mean a you know two or three week trip to the UK you know, when we're allowed to travel again? Yeah, that, that is what that means. Does that mean allowing um, a child to go to a, a theater camp in the summer? Because that's what she really likes to do. Yeah, that's what that means. So I deploy it first fundamentally. Can I fortify my own position as kind of head of household and working on a financial perspective? And then the family. What else can we do? And some people are different. I'm not a car guy, or maybe I would already have a Tesla, but I don't. I'm just not a car guy. But I know other reps that um, they worked at AWS and they're like, yeah, I got a bonus and I got a Tesla in my driveway. I'm like, cool, give me a ride. You know, whatever works for you. A lot of bonus bot Teslas. Oh, um, indeed. Yes. That's just, yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. You know, you talked about the travel. I am, um, you know, I'm a big believer that uh, you shouldn't wait until retirement to sort of start living some of that freedom. You know, you have to, you have to enjoy life while you can, cause you never know. And I, like, for example, um, I'm going to Scotland uh, for a, a guy's golf trip in, uh, you know, later this summer. 
and then and then prior to that, uh, I've added on. I'm taking my daughter, who's 16, to London. So well, she'll be 17 then. So we're going to go kind of cruise around London for about five days, send her home, and then I'm just going to take a quick jump over to Scotland and you know take advantage of you know, all the hard work that I put in. Up yeah, to I this think point. you do. I mean, you have to pay yourself back. You know, I mean, I'm sure everyone has heard the expression, "Hey, if you're on an airplane and you got to put your mask on first before you try to help others." And if you don't fortify and fuel and fill yourself, you're going to have a hard time going forward helping anyone in any capacity. You have to top off, you know, the fuel inside and whatever motivates and drives you, whatever is your thing, you're going to have to find a way to weave that into to life because, yeah, we all could work until we're, you know, six feet under, but what's, what's the point? Right. Well, so tell me a little bit about the real estate uh, work that you're doing. Yeah, a lot of fun. Um, I joined a local uh, real estate investment group, and I thought that would be the best way to kind of break in uh, to the real estate um, environment, I guess. You know, you have built-in friends, you have built-in uh, mentors and peers, people who have been doing this for seven, eight, nine years. And real estate is their source of income. You know, at some point, I don't know, seven years ago, they were W-2 and they got downsized and they went full on into real estate. So to me, that's extremely exciting because my ultimate long, long, long-term goal is what I call mailbox money, is being able to live my life the way I would like to, you know, with my family and hobbies and priorities, uh, and have enough coming in through real estate and a variety of either single or multifamily that just fortifies me. And also, look, I mean, given the economics of what they are in this world, we're all going to come to a point where we're maybe too old, too expensive, too this, too that. And that's just the reality of it. And if I do find myself in a tough situation, I want to know that I've got some mailbox money that can bridge my journey or my transition to whatever is next. So I do look at this side hustle passion project as a, a safety net right now. And long term, I look at it as, you know, where I would like to spend my hours and my days. Because again, it's still sales. You're still working with people. You know, in my single family efforts, I work with off-market properties and people who are in a very challenging situation due to tax liens, divorce, probate, uh, foreclosure. Okay. You still have to relate to the client. You still have to assess the problem. You still have to provide a solution. You have to be polite and professional. But then as uh, now, I've, I've also morphed in the last year into three multifamily uh, commercial syndications. It's, it's a boatload. Um, and as you know, you're in the same gig as well in syndication. It's a lot of analytics and it's a lot of the math and it's a lot of the brain power. And it's also a lot of assessing the, um, uh, the, the general partners, the people running the syndication. And again, it's salesmanship. It's do I know this person? What do I know about them? Do I feel like in my gut, I can work with this person? And then do I think if I give them my money <laughs> that they're going to be around to take my call in 3.6 days? So, you know, it's just a different slant, a different end result, but the, the real estate really is just a continuation of sales. And I think now I'm up to, uh, I'm actually closing on another uh, single family property um, this month. So I'll have five single family properties and I'm in I don't know, over 700 doors on the multifamily syndication side. So it's something that, you know, since 2018, I've been doing as a side hustle, but it's something that you can accrue very quickly. You start getting into it, you start learning, you start meeting, and all of a sudden your trajectory is boom. And you're only limited by your own effort. 
your own mindset. Are those syndi- are those passive investments in the syndication deals? Yeah, hundred percent passive. I don't have the bandwidth yet to get into GP, but uh, I think that would be a blast at some point coming up here. You know, shortly. I'm just not quite there yet in my own journey in real estate. Yeah, yeah. We just uh, uh, we just closed out a deal uh, this last week in Jacksonville, Florida, eighty units, and uh, uh, you know, such a cool market, and you know, it's it's so exciting. I, you know, for those of you that. Um, Maybe you're earlier in your career, uh, your tech sales career. Um, I would recommend start investing if you want to look at real estate. I mean, I'm not one of those people that's going to say you can only do real estate, never invest in the stock stock, stock market. I, I do believe in diversification, but from a real estate perspective, I started uh, investing in multifamily uh, back in 2000. So I've been doing it for 20 plus years, just consistently, and it's created that cushion that you talked about that freedom. And I wouldn't necessarily call it mailbox money because we were self-managing everything. So we were working, but, uh, you know, start early, get educated. You don't have to go crazy with, you know, big investments, but get educated, learn a little bit about the business. Uh, we do. So part of what we do at High Tech Freedom is, you know, I, I've expanded beyond my personal assets and we do larger hundred unit properties and we syndicate those. And you know, a lot of our investors, a lot of my investors tend to be high tech salespeople and kind of helping them build that, you know, leverage those commission dollars to build that freedom. Um, so if you want to learn more about that, you can go to our website. We have a newsletter. I just posted in one of our uh, follow-up emails, um, you'll receive a, um, we did a webinar on kind of the syndication 101. How does it work? What is it? And if you want to learn more, drop me a note, happy to send that over. Well, Dave, let me ask you this. I um, I noticed I noticed that you you mentioned it earlier. Um, it looks like you're involved in a few different charitable uh, efforts or organizations. What do you do to give back? So right now, since uh, the COVID year 2020, um, I started working with the SCORE uh, organization, nationwide nonprofit, and they simply and again, it's all volunteers, which also gives it a higher level, in my opinion, of effort and input. Um, they match up people with industry experience and we go through a certification process. So I'm a certified mentor with SCORE. Um, and now I've been able to, in the last you know year and a half, um, coming up on about 40, maybe 42 uh, different entrepreneurs and small business owners that I've worked with personally one-on-one. And most of them come back for session two, three, and et cetera. So you kind of have this rolling uh, uh, client list that's all you know, volunteer and nonprofit. And I work with uh, business owners and entrepreneurs, and I, I seems like my niche that I've just kind of fallen into is all around business strategy, business operations, business efficiency, uh, sales methodologies uh, and, and tactics. I can get a little bit into marketing and Facebook and social media and just how to weave all that together. And the bottom line is that I'll come in. I'll listen intently. I'll take notes on what the entrepreneur is doing or not doing. I'll hear all the emotion of, I tried this, that didn't work out. Okay, okay, we'll get through it. And I try to go fundamental with that. When I say, look, have you written a business plan? Yes or no? Yes. All right. Can I see it? Uh, Okay. We've got some gaps here. Um, You have to assess. Okay. I've got sales. I've got marketing. I've got operations. I've got supply chain. I've got pricing. I've got this. And okay. So we have some things that we have to do. And so I just work with these entrepreneurs and I try to get them from point A to B to C, all the while trying to understand what's important to them. And I've worked with companies that, hey, 
I have an idea and that's all I have. Okay, that's fine. Or I've worked with a marketing company that has been in business for 12 years and uh, two women are the owners and they have more experience than I do. <laughs> they have 40 years of experience, right? And But I was able to help and assist because I'm coming in from it new and fresh. I don't have all the preconceived limits of what they, I just looked at it for what it was and point blank. I said, hey, I see areas where you can do better. Here they are. And I have questions about why you're doing this because they don't attach to your goals. It's just time spent on a periphery. And they're like, oh, that's interesting. So yeah. So I really enjoy giving back in that way. And, you know, we don't charge for that. And it's just, you know, Chris talking to date. It's just two people trying to understand what's important and how do we do it. I can see how what you do there aligns with how you sell. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I, I enjoy it. So Dave, if somebody, you know, let's say there's a listener here that is thinking about making that jump to become an entrepreneur, they've been working on an idea. How does somebody get engaged with the SCORE network? So you can simply go to uh, the SCORE website and there'll be a very short, you know, intake template or form. You fill out what you're doing and you pick through industry verticals, check, check, check and drop down boxes and you just do a little paragraph. Hey, I want to get a business plan created or I have a business plan, but what do I do now? I've had it for a year. You just simply write out what you what you want to do, and then you will be mapped internally to a mentor who has the skill set, the experience, the hands-on knowledge, um, giving your individual request. And you know, I, I get a lot of people when it comes to business plan creation, when it comes to uh, scaling a business. It seems they kind of the default, and I will just chunk it over to Dave. He'll he'll handle that. So. You know, I, but you know, I can work with any sort of person in any sort of phase of business. It's just understanding what are you trying to do. Right. Sounds like a great program. It is cool. Yes. Well, Dave, if uh, a listener wants to get hold of you, how can they reach out or connect? Sure. So um, I'm on LinkedIn, of course. Uh, I think that's how we met, you know, way, way back. Um, but uh, just Google uh, or, you know, search Dave Leon, comma, Austin, Oracle. I'll, I'll pop up. I'll be the guy with the, the long hair. I think I've got a blue shirt on in my profile picture. Um, but you can find me, uh, Casa Leon Group, either on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram. Uh, just do a direct message or so, and I'll be very quick to reply back. And I kind of have this mindset of, look, anytime, anything, anywhere. Look, if you got an oddball question, fire it past me. I'm happy to help. If I can direct you to somebody, maybe another first connection on LinkedIn, a guy or gal who can help you, I'll, I'll make the intro for you. Uh, it's just kind of that give to get, you know, how can we leave things better than we found them? Yeah, I think that's, you know, the in this era of selling, uh, you have to be giving, you have to be enabling to really get traction to sell something. So I think it's a great, uh, great mindset that you have, Dave. And Look, I really enjoyed the conversation. I thought you provided some tremendous value today. Thank you. Well, thank you. This was a blast and uh, I'll do it again. Let me know. Will do. Take care. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us today. To get more sales and real estate tips, you can subscribe to our newsletter at hightechfreedom.com. You can also join our private Facebook and LinkedIn group that is exclusively for sales professionals. If you found a nugget of good information in the podcast, please subscribe, give us a positive rating and write a review. If there is a topic that you would like us to cover in the future, please send us a note through our website at hightechfreedom.com. Until next week, make this your best week ever.